Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from Talk Sport, the ultimate preview to all the weekend's action with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis from the Mirror, and Talk Sport transfer guru Alex Crook. Reds can't be dwarfed. The title race hots up with five teams within four points of the leaders. But United go to Liverpool looking to go six points clear of Klopp's men. Pep's team move into contention, have a game in hand and the best defence in the land. But can they really win the league without their golden touch? Also this week, all eight games previewed with the quiet outrage of Scott Parker, the luck of Manchester United, the twirling swirls of Phil Foden and the accuracy of a 96-minute Raheem Sterling penalty. Goldshire Wolves are sizing up leaky West Brom. There's a West London derby that Frank has to win. And Aston Villa against Everton is the latest game to go because of a COVID outbreak. All that and more on the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. And a big hello to the assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. How are you? Very well indeed. Um, Surviving lockdown. Good. Nice to see. And uh, TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook. How are you feeling Uh, now that that charlatan that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had you popping open an expensive bottle of malt on Tuesday night (laughs) as you, I quote, toasted being top? You've got to enjoy the highs uh, after all the lows over the last few seasons. But I'm nervous. I'm excited about Sunday. I don't know what to expect, um, genuinely. um, But... Listen, top of the table, first time at this stage of a season in the post-Sir Alex Ferguson era. I think it was only right that I raised a glass to Ollie and said, well done. Well, you've always been consistent, haven't you? I think we were both in agreement that Manchester United were a shambles in the first half of the weekend. And for the second game running, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made a couple of changes at half-time, brought on two players that should have started the game. Imagine with those players (laughs) how good they could be if they had a proper manager in charge. Oh, here we go. It's just strange the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes about things tactically because these tactics would have probably been perfect for Paris Saint-Germain at home and Leipzig in midweek in the Champions League when they only needed a draw to progress in that competition but he went gung-ho in those two games and got punished this game when actually there was an opportunity uh, to be more expansive he didn't do it 
I disagree with that as well. That there's there's been wins against Manchester City when he set them up tactically to hit on the counter. I think it particularly actually the second leg of the League Cup final last season was a better Manchester United performance. I think he's clutching at straws there. I do fear that United may live to regret conceding a 96th minute equaliser. It's just a lapse in concentration and. I might have to play left-back against Crystal Palace with Luke Shaw hobbling off. And How do they respond to a setback? Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? And um, pressure is going to be intense. Tell you what, it's going to be a fascinating finish, but not one for the faint-hearted if you're a Manchester United fan, that's for sure. You can't argue with the current run of form. You can't argue with the turnaround since that debacle at home to Tottenham. And having watched Liverpool toil against Newcastle last night, if there's ever a time to win the Premier League title, then maybe it is now. And uh, if he does that, then I will, of course, be issuing a grovelling apology. For the moment, I'm just enjoying the, the thrill ride. Darren Ben said it's like the Red Arrows, and, and that probably summed it up. It was a fantastic attacking display. I think what we have to say from that first half performance, and actually it was individual brilliance that won the game for Manchester United. All three goals they scored were absolutely sensational. You have to give credit where credit is due. And I've been reading some quotes from Harry Maguire. Obviously, that Tottenham defeat was chastening. The players, my understanding is, held an inquest amongst themselves and, 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 and tried to work out exactly what had gone wrong in that game. And the form since conceding six at home, only the second time in the Premier League era, has been exceptional. You, you can't argue with that. Like I say, always been consistent, haven't you? I think there's nothing wrong with calling out your, your team when they're playing badly and praising them when they're playing well. It would be worse if you watched every game through rose-tinted spectacles, would it not? You did well with that, to be fair. You did fantastic. <laughs> Lucy's, Lucy's not very well, but she's um, but she's made that especially for you because she's, she wanted to treat you uh, to a very special gift as we start 2021. Right, uh, we've got loads of games to look forward to, including uh, Wolves against West Brom, Fulham against Chelsea, and of course the big one, Liverpool against Manchester United. Top of the table, Manchester United with the best away form, the best winning record in the league. Uh, take on a Liverpool side that have stuttered by their own high standards with two wins in the last six Premier League matches. But Manchester United have not won at Anfield since Wayne Rooney scored a second half goal for them five years ago. Can they do it this weekend? Well, luckily we have in the red corner, Darren Lewis. And in the less red corner, depending on what the last result was, the man who probably has more flip-flops than Habianas, it's Alex Crook. Who wins this one, guys? Sorry, I, I've got to stop laughing. Crook, he's done you, but I, I actually am going to defend you a little bit here because top at January doesn't actually mean that much. It's who the team that's top at Christmas. Last four, five seasons, four of the last five seasons, Liverpool have been top and the team that's yes. been top has gone on to win the league. Nine of the last 11 seasons as well. And you can normally kind of dis see who's going to have the best chance around about Easter. I still fancy a draw here and for Liverpool to be able to correct their form. The difference is, Darren, though, but usually Christmas comes a little bit later in terms of the number of games played, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So it might be a slightly misleading statistic just to point to that uh, point in the calendar it's rather than point. the number of games. 
It's a, it's a very fair point. And, and I think what you can't argue with is United's form. Nine wins from the last 11 games. They're playing well offensively, defensively. They're better uh, than they had been at the start of the season. They've improved their home form as well and away they've been exceptional. Yes, but Liverpool, yes. they're on a run of 66 games undefeated at home. And I think they will set up to extend that run. Uh, look, let's be let's not kid ourselves. These games they they get hyped, and then I remember last season when it looked like Liverpool were going to take apart a United side there for the taking, and it ended up being a one-one draw because Liverpool paid them too much respect. I think that will happen again. I think both teams will respect the other, and it will be a draw. Yeah, it, it usually ends in a draw. Uh, Crook, um, let's talk about Manchester United, and we'll go back to Liverpool in just a second because Liverpool haven't been in great form. United got a great attack, and Cavani being back is important. His movement is excellent. He missed a big chance against Burnley, uh, but he, he's also involved in bringing others into play a little bit better than Martial is. Liverpool's defence are missing their key centre-backs. I think Manchester United will score here. It's not hard to bring others into play better than Anthony Martial does. I think you could put Darren Lewis up front and he'd do a better job than Anthony Martial, in all honesty. I was watching the Tottenham game um, in midweek and I said to the missus, I said, if uh, if Harry Kane was in the Manchester United side, not only would he be playing with more of a smile on his face, they would be genuine title contenders. I think they are a centre-forward short of winning the league. But I think you're right, Cavani, against that makeshift Liverpool defence, could have some joy. We talk a lot about misleading statistics on this podcast. I think Manchester United's form is, is slightly misleading just when you look at the teams they've beaten. Burnley, Aston Villa, Wolves, Everton who weren't great on the day, Leeds, Sheffield United, West Ham who were going for a, a difficult period at that time. They're teams they should be beating. Southampton, West Brom narrowly. This is a this is a step up in opposition. And mentally, this is a high-pressure game now because Manchester United, for the first time, as I mentioned, since Sir Alex retired, they're not trying to hunt a team down. They are the team to be hunted now. They're out in front. They've got a lead over Liverpool at the top of the table. That's a different kind of pressure, and it's going to be interesting to see if these players can handle that pressure on the bigger stage. And it'd be interesting to see how Liverpool react to it as well, won't it, Darren? Because they dominated the game against West Brom, didn't win. They dominated the game against Newcastle, but didn't win. Didn't create enough opportunities in either of those two games. In fact, they've they've drawn a lot of matches recently. What do you pin their indifferent form on? Defence. They... they um, they've got midfielders playing in defence and opposition teams are taking advantage. I've spoken to the likes of Talk Sports' very own Darren Bent, uh, Gabby Bunlaho, and I asked them, when you see a midfielder playing at centre-half or in the fullback position, as James Milner was in the game against Southampton, how do you look to get past them? And they said, we look to get them doing things they don't want to do, things they're not used to doing. And and midfielders, I keep being told, like to see the picture in front of them, but they don't have that defensive awareness or not enough of it anyway. And that's why opposition teams like Danny Ings in that Southampton game are able to take advantage. I think you can get away with it once or twice, but eventually you have to address the problem. And Liverpool haven't addressed it yet. That's why they're so good at going forward, but at the back, not so much. Does it surprise you, Darren, that they're not looking actively looking for a new centre-back this, this, this transfer window? Because I said Manchester United are probably a striker short of winning the league. I think Liverpool are a centre-half short of defending their title. I think, I think you're right, but I think it's a, it's a misconception that they're not looking. I remember this very question coming up 
in the first half of the season before they signed Van Dyke and people saying there must be someone somewhere who can improve the Liverpool defence. But the truth was they were waiting for Van Dyke. They tend to know who their man is. The scouting department, Michael Edwards doing a terrific job at Liverpool. They tend to know who the person they want is. And I think that's the case now. And they will wait for that player. They are shopping at the top tier. And so if it's the case that they have to wait until summer, it might just be that they trust Klopp to do that. Interesting, though, because I think Crook's got a point. Jurgen Klopp has sort of suggested that they won't be spending any money in January. Are you a little bit surprised that their roster isn't deeper? Because if you look at Manchester United's squad, it's a lot deeper. Chelsea's squad's a lot deeper. I would argue even someone like Manchester City have got a deeper squad than, than Liverpool should it be like that when you're the reigning champion? Should they have invested a little bit more to supplement what they already have? Because no, their I, first eleven is great, the best, probably the best in the league. But what about the, the, the supplementary um, uh, and auxiliary personnel? I, I disagree with you, Sam. I think if you look in midfield, they've got a number of options. If you look up front, you've got Jota, who came in when Salah was unavailable due to COVID or, or with, when he had a, an injury. Um and was scoring goals when Firmino had gone through that long drought. In defence, they've been unlucky. Uh, you know, if you had had a situation like they've had with their defenders at, say, uh, Manchester... Well, Manchester City have had uh, problems, haven't they? Which yeah. is why they are coming from so far back. If If Manchester United had had those problems, no chance would they even be in the mix for the title, let alone top of the league. I think the depth is there, but I think Liverpool are at a stage now where they are waiting for quality. And it's not just about another body to put into that squad, that team. It is about the right person who can do the right job. Okay, Liverpool have done brilliantly with the injuries and the COVID issues, yes. And they have done well to get towards the top of the table. But this is a huge match, not just for Jurgen Klopp. Uh, but for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well, who I think deserves credit because no one really expected them to be there at this stage. And probably, as Andy Cole said on TalkSport this week, won't be there at the end of the season. Um, so let's do quick predictions then. Uh, red corner, Darren Lewis? Draw. Uh, red sort of, depending on what the result is going to be. Crook? I'd probably say draw as well. Okay. Uh, although... I think with Liverpool's injuries, this is a massive chance for Manchester United. Huge chance. Splinters uh, for both of you two. Um, Why is it people say that when you Sam? say it's a draw? Um, my, do, you, do you want my prediction? I think Manchester United will win. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Lookman's in, he's onside. Ademola Lookman, Fulham lead. Looking forward to the game, looking forward to, to playing against a very good side. The team have worked, worked hard. Chelsea 1, Manchester City 3. Lots of work for Frank Lampard to do. This is a difficult period and I understand the reasons why. And we have to keep fighting. And I'm the first one that has to keep fighting. Chelsea will come again. Good ball, chipped over the top flag. is stayed down, right-footed effort. Straight through, House set and in for number three. Right, let's move on to Fulham against Chelsea. It's Saturday at 5.30. This has become a bigger game than it might have been, maybe because of the swift nature of the rescheduling crook. Uh, Fulham not happy because of the way their game in midweek uh, was altered. Um, but I, I praise the, the Premier League for their nimbleness in this. It, the, the scheduling needed to be nimble. It needed to be able to change at a moment's notice. And ultimately, we've all got to adapt in those circumstances. I 100% agree. I, I thought Scott Parker let himself down a bit um, with his comments. I think it showed a bit of lack of knowledge about the, the picture in the wider world with what's going on out there, infection rates soaring, people being furloughed, unable to see their family and friends, to moan about the fact that you've got to play a Premier League football match with limited notice. It was just completely misguided. And actually, Fulham put in a really good performance. I think he's pre-match comments have, have tarnished that somewhat. There are going to be games called off in the Premier League. We think the Aston Villa match at the weekend will probably go. They're facing a real fixture backlog now, so the Premier League are going to have to slot matches in when and where they can because the programme is so tight ahead of the European Championships and clubs just have to deal with that. I think whatever happens this season, whoever wins the league, whoever qualifies for Europe, whoever stays up, whoever goes down, there will be an asterisk next to it. It's not a normal season. It's a unique season. That's just the way it is. Stop moaning and, and get on with it. But as I say, Fulham were excellent in midweek, fully deserving of their point. Actually, if the game had gone on five more minutes, they may well have won the game. And I think it's a worry for teams like Brighton, Newcastle looking over their shoulders. Fulham have got a bit about them this year. They're Again, like Manchester United, they're probably a centre-forward short to achieve what they want to in terms of staying up, but they're going to give a really good fist of it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Newcastle on Monday's podcast because they play on Monday night against Arsenal and they're going for a very, very bad run at this moment in time. Uh, but Frank Lampard, the Chelsea manager who take on uh, Fulham this weekend, needs to win this game, doesn't he, Darren? Because for all his calls for patience, they start this weekend in ninth. Mm, ninth and... Okay, you might make the counter-argument that it's not too far points-wise off the top, but at the same time, in the league, they've been poor. There's no other way to describe it. I I looked at Fulham last night against Spurs. I know we're recording this on on Thursday, and I was impressed by Fulham going forward. I, I was impressed by them defensively as well, and I think that they could maybe give Chelsea a problem. And the key thing, Sam, is the fixture list. 
because up until the middle of February, they've got matches, Chelsea, that they can win. Fulham away, Leicester away, Luton in the FA Cup at home. They play Wolves at home and Burnley at home. Spurs, Sheffield United and Newcastle. But after that, it gets difficult. <laughs> Southampton, Atletico Madrid, Man United, Everton, Leeds, Atletico, uh, Atletico Madrid again in the Champions League and then Liverpool. So it might well be that the Chelsea hierarchy look at this period and say, we're going to give him this time. We're going to see if he can turn it round in this period. If it doesn't look as though they can, then maybe they might get a little bit twitchy. I've got every confidence they can because I think the goals for Werner and Havertz will give them a bit of confidence and maybe start to turn things around. But Fulham could be the monkey in the wrench. Um, uh, the, the, you say they've got winnable fixtures through until uh, February, but they've got Leicester City away from home on the 19th of January. And all eyes are on the 3rd of February game against Tottenham Hotspur away from home. I think those two matches could be key to whatever happens next. Uh, Fulham have improved. They won against QPR after extra time at the weekend. They eked out a lot of draws recently, including that one against Tottenham. I thought the goal from um, Caviero was absolutely excellent. I like Lookman. Created that goal. Two goals and three assists so far uh, this season. But they will be out without Loftus-Cheek, who I think as well played really well in that game against oh. Tottenham. Um, he came close to scoring, but he's not available because uh, he's facing his parent club. Came close to scoring is kind. He missed an absolute guilt-edged opportunity to win the game. Why, why are you so words. nasty to people? Why can't you just be a real positive guy? I think maybe 2021, you should try and look for a sunnier outlook on life. You just sit there <laughs> in your uh, shameless clothing on your sofa, having a go at everybody. It's, it's... I'm in my running gear. Is that running gear? Oh, sorry. Um, right. Um, I'm not sure about Chelsea's balance, Darren. Are you? Because the fullbacks were exposed against Manchester City. The philosophy of playing these two eights in midfield uh, and two wingers with little Timo looks to me to be a manager trying to cram in stars into the 11 rather than devising a philosophy and and then putting the, the personnel in the right places. I just think it just leaves them a little bit exposed. I think when you concede as many goals as Chelsea have done recently, you go right back to basics and you forget about trying to cram those stars in and you just try to focus on getting clean sheets with grafters, players who can do the job. That's what's served City, for example, so well. I, I can't... I do like the back five. I can't lie. Um, I love Chilwell at left back. I like Silver. I've raved about him so far this season. So I really got to stick with it. I wonder if they're just going for a bad moment like United have done where nothing is going right for them. I was alarmed by the manner of the defeat by City because I think City were absolutely excellent all over the pitch and Chelsea couldn't get anywhere near them. But I think that was more to do with confidence rather than tactics. No win in five for Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League and only one win in eight for Nuno's men. We have to, to acknowledge that uh, this is not the, the right moment to, to make mistakes. It's another crushing home defeat for West Bromwich Albion. They've now conceded 17 goals in their last four league games here at the Hawthorns. Any team that wants to get out of trouble at this level has to improve the clean sheet record and then find goals wherever you can. 
Dudley, born and bred, usually means you're a Molyneux man, but Sam Allardyce is in charge of West Brom for the first Black Country derby in nine years. This is tough to call, isn't it? Because West Brom can see more goals than anyone and have lost uh, on penalties to League One Blackpool in the FA Cup, but Wolves look limp in front of goal without Jimenez. Are we expecting a backs-to-the-wall performance from the Baggies like we got against Manchester City and Liverpool, Crook? Uh, probably, because it's the Sam Allardyce way, but this, this could be a good time um, to play Wolves badly missing Raul Jimenez <laughs> don't need to be a genius to work that out and I am surprised to be hearing there aren't any plans afoot at this stage to bring in a replacement in this transfer window they've, they've recalled Patrick Catrone from his loan spell in Italy but I think a lot of Wolves fans are, are worried that he wouldn't be the answer still putting an awful lot of pressure on young Fabio Silva asking him to lead the line up front this was always going to be a transitional season for Wolves losing the likes of Yotta and Doherty, that they're not in any real danger of going down, although they need to start putting some points on the board just to maintain that gap to the bottom three. But at the moment, it's almost looking like a bit of a wasted season um, for Wolves, that they're certainly not going to be able to emulate what they've achieved in the last two campaigns. Um, Darren, 11 matches in a row without a clean sheet for Wolverhampton Wanderers, who used to be the most reliable team in the league for doing just that, grinding out uh, results by, by being defensively sound. And in 10 of those games, they've conceded the first goal. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, for me, I don't think their problem is necessarily up front. I think that they need reinforcements at the back. And it does surprise me, given George Mendes's influence on the club, given the money that they pulled in for Diego Jota, that they didn't have a replacement lined up when Liverpool first made contact for that player. Because I, you know, you don't let players go in unless you can bring bring in either replacements like for like or strengthen in the areas that you need to. They can they can score goals. They scored three against Everton uh, when they drew with them, but they've got no win in their last five. And I, I just think the problem for them very very much is at the back. I'd be surprised if they didn't go into the window for a defender in uh, before the end of January. And they're creating uh, chances, but not necessarily converting them. Eitner's delivery for Nebes' goal in midweek was superb. Uh, Podence, when he's fit, does cause problems. Neto will create chances, but they need someone to finish them off. Traore should be back this weekend. I don't think Podence is going to be fit. That game is live on TalkSport at 12.30 this lunchtime. And the Baggies, who have conceded 39 goals this season, uh, will be, I'm sure, just trying to ensure that doesn't increase by two many if there are any goals how are people going to celebrate because uh, obviously we're doing this podcast socially distanced there is about 300 miles between me and crook probably 220 between me and uh darren right now um but um harry kane saying that the, the players have got to change they've got to alter the way that they celebrate goals i thought he was um his celebration sort of showed his his ability to take responsibility as the England captain. You know, he, he just did a little high five to people, punched a few fists. Uh, is that the right thing to do? <laughs> well, I'm not going to be very sunny on, on this debate because I find it incredible um, that we're even having to talk about this. When football first returned after the first lockdown, we saw Erling Haaland score the very first goal in the Bundesliga and celebrate on his own and. I think we felt at the time that would set the tone, but it hasn't. And these mass scenes of jubilation, players jumping on each other and, and hugging, handshakes at the end of the games, all, all things that we were told wouldn't happen. Um, I think footballers have got a misplaced 
sense of superiority that this, this illness can't get them because they're tested twice a week. They can just go about their business. It simply isn't the case, as we've seen with the outbreaks up and down the country. I'm amazed um, that clubs are not stamping down on this and not telling their players, look, just don't celebrate a goal. It's an empty stadium anyway, so a bit of the elation is is diluted. You can celebrate a goal, but you can that. celebrate it like Pogba and Eric Bailly, can't you? You know, where you sort of do a sort of dance together, sort of like a metre or so apart. It's an opportunity for, for players to be a bit inventive um, with their goal celebrations. We remember Lee Sharp all those years ago dancing with a corner flag um, after scoring at Villa Park, but... We have to stop these mass celebrations. It's, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. The, the more it happens, the more you are adding fuel to the people who say that elite sports should be stopped. Aston Villa against Everton was supposed to be live on Talk Sport uh, on Sunday at noon. Um, it's going to have to be rescheduled because of Aston Villa's COVID conundrum. They did give them every chance to fulfil the fixture because they moved it to Sunday lunchtime. But oh, we're hearing now that it's not going to go ahead. Um, do you want to just explain a little bit more about that? Should we just talk about why this has, has happened? It's that grey area once again. We still don't know exactly how many players have been affected, how many players Aston Villa have available. And I think it will be interesting to see what decision the Premier League take. And on the subject of postponements and rearrangements, I don't really understand why the FA have gone against what they said going into the third round the FA Cup, why Southampton Shrewsbury has been rearranged at the expense of Southampton's Premier League game against Le- Leeds United. Darren's talked about mixed signals and these are mixed signals being sent to- out by to- the authorities to- as well. Totally agree. I-, I think we said on this po- podcast, it was pretty simple. You make it plain and simple. If you haven't got the, the players to-, to do the game, to take part in the game, then you just forfeit the match and you leave the FA Cup. And that is the situation that, that-, that they said at the beginning. And then I can't understand why they haven't stuck to that. Um, th- but this Aston Villa thing is, is really key, isn't it? The fact that they decided to play that game against Liverpool on that Friday night with younger players shows that they can fulfil a fixture. So the idea of a, a Premier League fixture being moved now actually raises a few eyebrows because what you're basically saying is is that the, the FA Cup is this level of competition and the Premier League is this level of competition. We all talked about the pragmatism we need to be able to show in these difficult times, but there's a difference between the pragmatism and the appearance, and I use that word very carefully, that we're making it up as we go along in terms of the rules. Well, the optics come into frame again here, don't they? Absolutely right. And Mourinho said, I was in a press conference ahead of the Fulham game, Mourinho said, I could easily ask why I can't play against an Aston Villa side who managed to put out a side last Friday against Liverpool. And he said, at the start of the season, we were all told that if you can muster up 14 players, you have to fulfil the fixture. Mm. And that rule somewhere along the line appears to have changed. I think a lot of eyes and a lot of questions are going to be asked, particularly about Everton, who had their Man City game postponed as well, as to why they can't fulfil this fixture. Well, I'll go back to the Newcastle Aston Villa postponement. It was right at the beginning of December. I said on this show, I said it on Drive on Talk Sport, There needed to be greater transparency and greater clarity about what would constitute the reasons for a postponement because we haven't had that. You're going to get speculation. And ultimately, Aston Villa have even muddied the waters even further by fielding a team last Friday night. Because if you field a team in the FA Cup, 
no matter what it is, then you can play in the Premier League because it's the same level of competition. Because, funnily enough, the reason the FA Cup is allowed to go on is because it is considered elite sport. Uh, One game that should go ahead is Sheffield United against Tottenham. I doubt it'll be a goal fest. Uh, Two wins in a week, though, for Sheffield United. Can they mastermind a third crook? Possibly. Um, They won this fixture last season, didn't they? Tottenham were really poor um, in this game after lockdown. And it's becoming a problem for Spurs. They've dropped 10 points now from winning positions. Pierre Hoybier has been excellent for them this season, despite my doubts about that when he signed and Darren's as well he's come out and said they need to be braver and I think that's absolutely right and I've I've said before and you're going to accuse me of being nasty again Jose Mourinho has become a cowardly manager to let his teams go 1-0 up let them sit back let Harry Kane drop into midfield stifle the creativity of Son Tottenham had enough good players out there to go and put Fulham to the sword they scored the goal. They sat back. They invited Fulham into the game. They grew in confidence. But it's Groundhog Day. We've seen it before. And that is going to cost Spurs. Tottenham can't challenge for the title playing that way. And it does beg the question once again, is Jose Mourinho a busted flush when it comes to being an elite Premier League manager? Because they've got a team who in this strangest of seasons could have been title challengers. Now they're scrambling for a place in the top four. Crikey. Um, uh, he's... He's, he's gone in a bit like Luke Shaw, hasn't he? There, over the top of the ball and above the ankle. I think he's. Uh, I think he's proved already this season that he's been able to improve certain players. Um, I think he's improved the Tottenham mentality in the team, and I think they're in a much better place than they have been uh, at this stage of, of many a season. I think that I think they'll they'll go on and they'll be challengers coming towards the end of the campaign. I think they're slightly limited in the fact that they've only got one modus operandi, but that's because a lot to do with the fact that they've got a certain type of personnel. And if I was the manager of that team, I'd utilise the pace that I had on the break. Let me ask you another question then, Darren. If Pochettino was in charge of that Tottenham team last night, they go 1-0 up, do they go on and win the game? I think they do. I have to be honest. I, oh, I was very surprised. Here he is, the the Poch loving continues. He's won his first trophy, hasn't he, at PSG? Well done to him. He has, absolutely. And, and the interesting thing about Poch is that he does like to play football, but he builds from a very strong defensive base. And the difference between uh, Botch and Mourinho is that, for better or for worse, he likes to go out and and play football. Mourinho tries to get a result by any means necessary, um, but it has it is becoming frustrating for fans. I saw a couple of fans tweeting yesterday: Why is Sissoko playing right side when you've got Dele, you've got Lamella, you've got Bale? What is Bale doing at Spurs when he's played? I think it's four times in four months or something like four times in the Premier League. And it, 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 that is going to be a question perhaps for another podcast. But I, my issue with Spurs is that they can't see games out. They conceded in the last minute against Newcastle. They conceded in the last minute against West Ham. They conceded in the 81st minute against Palace, the 90th minute against Liverpool the 86th minute against Wolves and again lay on against Fulham. And if you can't see matches out, if you're throwing away that amount of points, then either you need to take the handbrake off or you need to invest in defenders that can actually see games out. Because at the moment, Spurs are just treading water. And as has been already said, 
they're playing the same game over and over again. Yeah, it's Go like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Yeah, a little Absolutely. bit. Because I think five times they've led going into the break at halftime and not won this season. And uh, they've only won actually just one of their last six matches on the road. And they fell into that trap in midweek of not putting the game to bed. Son was denied by Ariola. Jose will say they had good chances. Son at the post. Winks had one saved. Regulon had a goal disallowed. Um, and Jose afterwards said, oh, look, Ariola made great saves, but ultimately we can't make the mistakes that we made. And what he was pointing to was the defending of the cross from Adam Mola Lutlund. I thought that was a little bit harsh because it was a brilliant cross and it was an even... But not only that, there. Sam, but I mean, you, you're, those mistakes are fatal if you are trying to sit on the lead. A one-goal lead. Go if you, if you have a one-goal lead, if you score uh, two if or if three... Tune it up, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. True. Absolutely. True. Absolutely true. All right, a quick word on Sheffield United. I got a, a text message, no, a tweet, a tweet earlier this week because I I, I was I said, well done to Billy Sharp and to, and to Chris Wilder for getting their first win in the Premier League this season. I thought they deserved a well done. And nine of their 15 defeats this season have been by a solitary goal. So I don't think that they're as bad as Derby County uh, back at the end of the 2000s. But a Huddersfield Town fan contacted me straight away uh, so complaining about the love-in for Chris Wilder. Why does everybody love Chris Wilder? Yet we were ridiculed in our second season. I know that fans sort of get a little bit annoyed when their rivals are getting any sort of uh, a big up, but I don't think necessarily there's a love-in with Chris Wilder. I just think he's very communicative. He's done an excellent job taking them from League One to the Premier League. They were excellent last season, and I think, you know, I think we feel a little bit bad for him that the fall has been so severe, Darren. Yeah. Absolutely. Really, really sad. And, you know, last season when we did the podcast and I was saying that I was really, really upset for him and the Sheffield United fans about that goal that wasn't given against Aston Villa when the ball had yeah. clearly gone behind the post. That changed think, things, didn't it? I think that meltdown started then. They never could get their rhythm back after that. And this season's been a nightmare. But... I see that win, the manner of that win, and I wonder if that's the green shoot of a recovery. I'm not convinced by Brighton's ability to stay up. I, I am more convinced by Fulham. And I think that if Sheffield United just get their heads down and take it game by game, there are enough points and enough games for them to get out of it. Ah, we shall see. Right, okay, it's time for Roulette Rivalry. <laughs> Now, the good news is, is that Lucy has left me in charge because she's not feeling very well. So I'm in charge of roulette rivalry uh, today. Uh, so basically, uh, I'm going to challenge you to talk about a player from one of the games this weekend. Um, this week, I want you to look at West Ham versus Burnley on Saturday and give me 30 seconds on a nominated player. I've chosen the players this week, so I don't want any waffle. Let me just find my... my Because uh, Lucy's left me in charge because she's not very well. So... I'm trying to find my, my roulette wheel to see which players you're going to get. Oh, no. That's no, that's that's just for Lucy, I think. That's not the right button. I'm for the kids. Casualty's <laughs> still on now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but nobody watches it, do they? Of course they do. It's on primetime BBC One every single Saturday night. Everyone must watch it, otherwise it wouldn't be there, surely. Uh, right, no, no, I didn't mean to do that. I meant to do this. Is Charlie still in it? Yeah, yes. of course he is. Right, West Ham versus Burnley. What you got here, Crook? Oh, you got Chris Wood. And your time starts now. Unbelievable. I was hoping for Declan Rice because then I would have been given the opportunity to say something positive after all this negativity. Sorry, we'll um, start the timer again. 
your time starts now. <laughs> I heard someone on Talk Sport this week saying that perhaps Burnley, when it came to their front two, had come to the end of the road in terms of Chris Wood and, and Ashley Barnes. Clearly, they've been much uh, less effective this season than they have in previous campaigns. I think they're on course to score 22 goals over the season if they carry on converting at their current rate. They'll be very lucky if that's enough to stay up, but there might be three worse teams than them. I think Chris Wood's been a great servant. He's been a handful for defenders, but I think the Premier League has moved on a bit now. It's become a little bit more sophisticated, and I think maybe opposition teams have worked out how to play Burnley and how to stifle that physical threat, and that's why they're struggling to score goals. They've had this takeover as well. There goes your 30 seconds. I've got a timer, see? I've got a little button. Uh, no shouting from me. Um, I've actually also got a 30 second countdown uh, which I really should have put in uh, for you uh, but I, I will do for, uh, for, for, for for Darren I'm getting used to the, the buttons I, it's, it's, it's all new to me uh, Darren, uh, should we uh, do your little uh, roulette thing? Let's uh, see what, what you can get you could get Declan Rice, you could get Mikel Antonio which would you like? Uh, I'd take uh, either you take either okay and it's Vladimir Soufal. <laughs> Look at that. It wasn't even written down. No, I'm only joking. It's Mikel Antonio. Talk to me about it. You've got 30 oh, seconds and your time starts now. Mikel Antonio, now that he's back, I think West Ham fans will be breathing a huge sigh of relief, not just because of his ability to score goals, but his hold-up play, his work off the ball, and the fact that he's not Sebastian Haller. He is a completely different entity, and West Ham's rhythm was upset when he was injured and couldn't play, and Sebastian Haller had to step in. I think Antonio back now gives them optimism for the second half of the season, goals as well, and a real threat going forward. I take West Ham to win this game. Okay, that's it. Your buzzer went off. You can stop talking. Yeah. Uh, well done. I thought that was pretty impressive, actually. It was quite fluid there, wasn't he? he looked like he, and he looked like he was enjoying himself, which is always well, is, I actually thought you were going to give him Mate Vidra, so um, I was quite pleased. And I, I reveled in the opportunity to talk about a player that I, I, I knew something a little bit about. Okay, uh, no club has scored fewer goals in all four tiers of English football than Burnley. Um, and there has been a bit of a clamour from Burnley fans to get Matty Vidra into the team because um, he, he's had a few chances when coming off the bench, hasn't taken them, but he's had a few chances. He has got three goals in four games that he started uh, this campaign. If uh, Vidra's the answer, I wouldn't want to see the question. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw him come off the bench the other night and um, he had a couple of efforts on goal and I had to watch through my fingers. No shot on target for Burnley against Man United the other day. I think they maybe need to have another rummage in the bag now that they've been taken over by the new owners and get somebody who can score goals for them. And Leicester in for a third here with Castagna laying it to Perez! And it's 3-0! And that's as simple as you like for Leicester City. If we can have European football again next season, then at this stage of the, the team and his development, that would be a great success for us. A wonderful header in from Vestergaard. He's powered that into the top corner and Southampton have the lead. We're coming more and more in the situation that we are competitive. In the last three games, we showed that we are and uh, this is the way we want to go. Southampton and Leicester face off live on Saturday night on TalkSport with Saints well rested after their Liverpool victory and Leicester 
who haven't beaten Saints in any of their last five visits. In fact, Saints have won their last two trips uh, to the King Palace Stadium. Uh, despite the fact they went to St Mary's and won 9-0, if we just skate over that for a minute, uh, Southampton have got a reasonable record, especially away from home against Leicester. What's the prognosis here, Alex Crook? Well, we shouldn't skate over the 9-0 as much as Saints fans hate us talking about it. So does Ralph Hasenhutl. Their victory at the King Power last season was redemption. To go there and turn over a team who put nine past you in your own backyard was a a fantastic achievement and they're a team going places uh, you know about my admiration for Ralph Parson who's I think had a fantastic season they fully deserve their win against Liverpool and the Austrian the Alpine Klopp will relish the challenge of taking on Brendan Rodgers and, and a Leicester side who've done really well up to this point I think it will be a fantastic game between two teams who like to play football I'm not sure on the injury situation at the moment whether Yann- Yannick Vestergaard will be fit that will be a bonus for Saints if he is, I can see goals. I could see a score draw and a really good game on Saturday night. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think as far as Leicester are concerned, they're very much in a title mix. I asked the question a few podcasts ago, who scores the goals if Vardy doesn't score? But Tielemans and Madison have been stepping up. Um, they've going great guns. One at Stoke in the FA Cup. And they've only been beaten once in their last, what, eight, nine games. I think that this could be a really good match because of the way that Hassan Hoodle has set up Southampton to be hard to beat. I just take Leicester to edge it. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, Leeds against Brighton. It's three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, Humbled by one Sussex side. Are they going to get Sussex doubled? Um, A bit like the Queen. As uh, Brighton come to uh, Elland Road. What do you reckon, Crook? Starting to worry for Brighton. Um, again, it was a, a decent enough account against Manchester City, although they never really looked like they were going to win that game. I think the problem is when you sign players with a chequered injury history, they're going to get injured. And Brighton are seeing that in the moment with Adam Lallana and Danny Welbeck, two players who would undoubtedly improve their chances of staying up, but they just can't get them on the pitch regularly enough. I think they're in desperate need of a, a centre-forward. Graham Potter's team selection still baffles me at times, seeing Bernardo play at the Etihad the other night, started against Arsenal as well, but has barely played apart from that. He actually put out a stronger team, Graham Potter, in the FA Cup at Newport County than he did at home in the Premier League against Arsenal, which I think has taken a lot of fans by surprise. Yeah, and that was very strange, wasn't it? We sort of mentioned that uh, when it happened, that, that it was such a weird team to select. But do you know they've never won a Premier League game in January, Brighton? How weird is that? Uh, and they've got no win now in nine matches. Um, no end product. What do we think of Percy Tau? Um, he looked lively in that game at uh, the Etihad. Recorded from Anderlecht. But he didn't really score too many goals in his three spells in Belgium. Although he, 12 goals in 28 for South Africa uh, says that he might have something about him, Crook. He looks another typical Graham Potter player for me. Pretty on the ball ineffective where it really matters in the penalty area and that's going to be their Achilles heel. Fulham have got two games in hand now. We've mentioned that they seem to have a bit of momentum and a little bit of belief. I think West Brom and Sheffield United are gone despite what Darren says. So you've got three or four teams playing for one place. I know you think Newcastle are banging trouble, Sam, and a lot of their fans would agree, but Brighton have barely won a game in the last 15 months. I just don't see how you can turn the tap and suddenly start picking up victories, especially with those key absentees that I've mentioned, Lamptey and other. Yeah, I think you look at Brighton and they wanted to trade a man who could keep them in the Premier League for an, a man that played nice football. Um, 
but nice football works if you're getting results. It doesn't if you're not. And I think as far as Potter is concerned, they've got a big problem. I can't see where their next win's coming from. They can't defend. And I, no, I I, I think it's going to go horribly wrong for them. And I, I still can see, listen, winning's a habit, losing's a habit. Sheffield United could build on what they've done. They're trying everything at Brighton. It's not working. Okay, let's move on to Manchester City against Crystal Palace. And I wonder whether or not you think that City can win the league with doubts over Aguero, Jesus not as prolific, Raheem Sterling firing penalties over the bar by about 100 miles. Um, The goal output has dried up, even if the wins haven't. They hit the post in the game against uh, Brighton. Bernardo Silva missed a penalty. It should have been healthier, that, that that victory. But I think I said to Crook right at the beginning of the game, you know, he said to me, oh, I don't, they, they, they need a striker, they need a striker. And I agree, I totally agree. But ultimately, this game will finish with City winning to nil because that's what they do now. They've decided on, approach, on an approach where they, they keep clean sheets first and they know that the goal will come, Darren. I think City are 100% in the mix. Yeah, they are. Because They'll win the one league. Nils- one nils, yeah, yeah, they can win the league. Yes, they can. No sitting on the fence. I think that that one nils and clean sheets could win you the league. The um, best defense uh, in the league always wins the league. Exactly, they've conceded the fewest goals and have got the most clean sheets, and that has helped them to get to within striking distance. So, can they do it with Aguero and Jesus playing bit parts? Yes. They might not be as spectacular as they've been in recent seasons, but they've solved the problem that undermined them last season in defence. They are rock solid. And absolutely, I think they've got a chance. That's my predictions. That My pre-season predictions were Manchester City to win the league and for Newcastle to be relegated. And as we turn the corner at the halfway stage, I'm more and more confident about those two predictions, Crookie. You also said that Manchester City would be top by New Year's Day. Yeah, but that was my, that wasn't my fault because there were two games cancelled. I didn't say New Year's Day. I said on the second of January. The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. There, there was a game cancelled. What can I do about that? Yeah. I think you have to give Pep Guardiola credit, in fairness, because he's a team who, because he is a manager in the past, has prided himself on swashbuckling football, scoring lots of goals. I think he's realised that. They don't necessarily have the capacity to do that this season with Aguero only half fit and Gabriel Jesus just not fit enough to lace the Argentines' boots. But what he has done is improve them as a defensive unit. I think John Stones has to be a contender for one of the most improved players in the Premier League this season. Ruben Diaz has been an excellent signing. And you just can't see where they're going to concede their next goal. And they create enough opportunities that they will score at the other end, not with the regularity they have in previous seasons, but winning to nil wins championships. And I I agree with you. I make them the favourites. I think they'll be happy to just watch Liverpool and and Manchester United kick lamps out of each other if that game ends in a draw. Manchester City very much in the box seat because this is a match that they will win. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for being part of it today, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Um, That's it from us. We will be back with a full review of the uh, weekend's action and a full preview of all the midweek action. There's a lot of midweek action next week, so we'll look ahead to that on Monday afternoon. Keep downloading and subscribing. The football never stops, and nor does the game day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. 
Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 